Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Andy Snoke. We're going to be talking a little bit about Daniel. And the story of Daniel is a story of a, of a young man and other young men, young people, that didn't compromise. And that's what God is asking you and I to do. Don't compromise. First, let me say this. Well, let's start with this before we get too far. Daniel, amazingly, was in Jerusalem. And... Um, he was taken into captivity as Jerusalem was sacked by Nebuchadnezzar. And when Daniel went to, went to Babylon, he was 16 years old, only 16 years old. So the book of Daniel starts with Daniel being 16. Daniel, the very first chapter. Uh, first verse is something a little significant about this. Very first verse, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. Now, you think, now that's not a verse that anybody would memorize. But here's something, a little tidbit here that's interesting about that. This Joel Jehovahcom, I'm mispronouncing it, uh, this, this guy destroyed all of Jeremiah's writings. He, he tried to abolish the Bible of that day. What was in Jeremiah's writings? Prophecies that Israel, you're going to go into captivity in Babylon. How we need the Word of God. This guy had burnt the Word of God. Had just tried to destroy all of it. So anyway, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar, who God, who was a godless man, God gave him this power and authority, and he came in Jerusalem and took him into captivity. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, and he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the, to the house of his God. And then the king instructed Asphanes, the master of the, of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So he sent these people in. Nebuchadnezzar took over. And he sent his men in. And he said, I want you to look for young men whom there's no blemish, good-looking. Actually says it right here. Good-looking. Looking for good-looking young men in this case. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. So, he wanted to find the best people that he could to take into Babylon. Now, Babylon, Babylon is Iraq. Babylon is, is over a thousand miles from Jerusalem, and these young people, they're taken out of the cap, they're taken into captivity. They gotta travel for a thousand miles, over a thousand miles. It, it, it wasn't a week journey, it was months. It took months to get there. So the next verse, verse five, it says, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and, and three years of training so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? These guys are hungry. They've been walking for three, four, five, six months. They get there, and the king says, you know what? We're going to give these guys the king's delicacies, the king's meat, the King James Version, it says. We're going to give them the best meat to fatten them up. Now, we don't have that problem having to get fattened up. Back then, they did. 
the world was just barely above starvation and they just walked a thousand miles and they're skinny and they're frail. And the king says, I want them looking fat. I want to fatten them up. We don't have that problem now that particularly now that COVID-24 is hit. COVID-24, that's the amount of weight you gain during the pandemic. But we don't have that problem. Yeah, that was a joke. So anyway, so he's going to point to them to steady provision of food. Now, let me read a couple of verses for now. Now, among those were the sons of Judah. There's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs, he changed their names. And here's here's what I want you to get. First thing he did, they took these people out of Babel, out of Jerusalem, these fine young men. And this is what they wanted to do. This is what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. He wanted to do exactly what the enemy enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants to take away everything that is Christian out of your life. He wants to change your life. You have an enemy. There is an enemy of your soul. And it's everywhere. And they wanted to remove everything from them. So, first thing they did, they actually changed their names. The first thing they did. And it's interesting, I won't go into all of this, but the names that they changed them to, each one of these young men, Daniel's name meant God is judge. His name was changed to Belshazzar, which means may Bel, that's another God, protect his life. Every one of their names was changed into a name that represented the God of the Babylons. They were trying to change the very core of the young people. And you know, the world will do that to you. The world will try to change you. The world, the Bible talks about, don't let the world try to fit you into its mold. Everything that you do, everywhere you go, the world is trying to fit you into its mold. Particularly when you go to college or university, you're going to hear a lot of things that aren't true. They're plain garbage. They're plain lies. Once you get beyond two plus two equals four, there's a lot of fluff there. It's the philosophy of the world. It's garbage. The world will try to erase every Christian thought that you have, just as they did with these young men. But Daniel, verse 8, famous verse, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Now the reason he did this, to start with, what would happen, Daniel was raised a certain way. And when you sacrificed animals, the animals had to be sacrificed a certain way. And what I get out of this is this. God has a certain way of doing things. Now that might sound silly to us, but he has a certain way of doing things that he asks us to do. It's not even very much, but he asks us to do certain things a certain way. Our ladies wear head coverings. We take communion on Sunday morning. We have elders and deacons. We don't have a lot of rules per se, but we do some things that might be funny. God has a certain way of doing things. And Daniel recognized, I'm from Israel, I'm a Jew, and I've been taught that God's got a precise way of doing things. The other problem was with the king's meat. The meat back, the culture at that time in Babylon, the meat was offered to idols. They would place it before one of their many gods and offer it as sacrifice to idols and then they would, then they would eat it. They would give thanks to idols before they ate their food. So Daniel, he's hungry. He's like any teenage boy. He's hungry, but he decided, I like the way it says it. He purposed in his heart 
I'm not going to defile myself. I can't do it. He purposed in his heart. And I, I want to, I want to say that to, to young people and to all of us. When you're faced with hundreds of decisions, the world will want you to defile yourself in some way. Don't do it. Purpose in your heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to walk a certain way. I'm going to walk uprightly. I'm going to do things the proper way, the right way, not the way of the world. So that's what Daniel did. And I was trying to think of some examples so you can remember things here of, of the king's meat, of some examples. And I, I, you're going to have to use your imagination on this. I, I couldn't come up with any good ones, but here's a McDonald's sack here. So you can pretend it's got a Big Mac in it. That's a, that's part of the king's meat. This is a, one of those fiber muffins, you know, that you get in the morning. That's, that's from McDonald's as well. Uh, McDonald's coffee, second best coffee in the world, only second only to uh, Tim Hortons. We've got lunch, hamburger, that represents the king's meat, that's sitting up here. I was looking around our room, Debbie buys me these keto bars. Anybody eat a keto bar? The flavor is strawberry-flavored cardboard, it says on the back here. <laughs> and I'll give this to anybody that wants it at the end of the service. You can, you can have it. But can you imagine, though, you're a young man, and you walked a thousand miles, and you're hungry, and the king says, you know, here it is. Come and have it. Hamburgers, whatever, the king's meat. You can eat to your heart's content, put some fat on you. That's what you want. And the world will do that. The world will offer you things that looks really, really good. And you got to be strong and say, nope, everybody's doing it, but not me. I can't do it. So Daniel, he calls the, the chief that's in charge and he says, and the guy gave him favor and he said, you know, I, we just can't do this. And this guy says, listen, I'm afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he'll kill me like this. If I present you guys and you're still skinny and scrawny, he'll kill me. I'm, I'm in danger. So Daniel said, well, do me a favor. For ten days, let us eat vegetables while everybody else eats all these good things over here. Test us. Let us eat what's proper. And so Daniel and his buddies, they passed up the Big Macs and the Quarter Pounders. And they ate vegetables. Now, vegetables are good for you. Um, I'm not a vegetable lover. And if someone were to say to me, Andy, you can have a diet of Big Macs and French fries and that weird thing you eat here, poutine, I might take that. And if someone says, you can have that or vegetables, I would I'd probably go over here. But I want you to think about the choice they made. It wasn't an easy choice. And many times, the things of the world, which can include all kinds of stuff, it can look really, really appealing. You know, that doesn't look very appealing. Thank everybody in the kitchen that has provided this food. I am not, I'm not insulting anybody. Thank you so much. But they had to make a decision. So he tested them for 10 days. And after 10 days, they 
They went back and they examined them and they were ten times better than the rest. God blessed them. You make a sacrifice for God, God will bless you. You learn to do things the right way and God will bless you. I'm not going into specifics right now. There are all kinds of specifics of the way the world will try to pull you into its mold. So they tested them, and their appearance and their flesh was was better and fatter uh, than those that ate the king's delicacies. And God gave these four young men knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom and everything. So God blessed them and took care of them and anointed them. So they were tested. They are taken into Babylon. The Babylon tried to assimilate them into their culture. They changed their name. They tried to offer them their food. They're trying to do everything to change them into Babylonians. But these young men wouldn't. Now, I want to say to all the young people and little children, too, don't let the world change you. You walk in what you know is right. And then we get to the third chapter. And Nebuchadnezzar, this guy was quite a phenomenal guy, so he made an image of gold. And I was trying to think of an example of an image of gold and uh, it just so happens this image of gold is 90 feet tall. So there's nothing that we could put in here as a, an example of a 90-foot image of gold. So we've got some flowers over here. So like I said, you got to use your imagination here tonight. So just imagine this is 90 foot tall. How tall is this ceiling? 30 feet, 25 feet, 20, 30 feet? Imagine a 90-foot image of gold. How spectacular... That must have looked. And the things of the world, again, the things of the world, Satan is crafty. The things of the world, they, they look kind of cool. They can, they can be attractive to us, like a 90, a 90 foot tall golden image. In the third chapter, Nebuchadnezzar the king made this image of gold 90 feet tall. And he said, uh, he sent word out to everybody that he's going to dedicate this image. And so the salt traps and the administrators and the governors and everybody, they get together and, and, uh, then a, uh, when the herald cried aloud to you, Nebuchadnezzar said, when I shout aloud to you is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. So he puts out a decree again. I'm going to put up this golden image. And whenever you hear us starting to play music, everybody's got to bow down to this image. So you got a 90-foot image. And you can imagine, we have no idea what it sounded like. We heard some beautiful music tonight. But they played loud music. And everybody starts bowing down again. Except for these three Hebrew, Hebrew children. Once again, they disobeyed and the Chaldeans went to Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, the, the rest of the story of Daniel, everybody is jealous of Daniel and his friends because they took a stand. They would not let Babylon assimilate them. They constantly took a stand. They lived in that nation the rest of their life. They never went back to Jerusalem, but it never changed them. They still remain pure. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know the story, he's told that there's certain Jews that you set, you set them, Nebuchadnezzar, over the affairs of Babylon. You thought you were so so smart. 
uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these men, they've not paid dual regard to you. They do not serve your guards, gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, he's in a rage and a fury, and he gave the command to bring them to him, and they brought him to him, and then Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? That's quite a question there. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, all of these instruments, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, that's a good thing. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then he said, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? This is a narcissistic leader here. And and he could be because he, he ruled the known world at that time. He could kill a person for no reason at all. No one would stand in his way. He had the power of life and death. Once again, these young men that came from Israel, they're being tested. Are you going to succumb to this now? They got this giant image. Once again, the enemy of your soul wants you to be like everybody else. He wants you to be like the rest of the world. The Lord does not want us to be part of the world. We don't belong to that system. Daniel and his buddies, the entire time they're in Babylon, they never became part of the system. God blessed them where they were, but they never got assimilated into it. They never became Babylonian, so to speak. And you and I are not to become like the world. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and they said to the king, I like how they say this, we, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're saying, king, we, we don't even have to think about this. You know, we don't even have to think about it. Uh, you've seen uh, action movies where someone is going to do something to someone and they say, choose your words carefully, you know, or something like that. These guys are saying, we don't have to choose our words carefully. We're, we're just going to say it the way it is because we're not afraid of you, Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. I like that. They're saying we absolutely know that God can deliver us from that fiery furnace. We're not, we're not afraid of it. But they didn't know that God would do that. That's the key. They didn't know that God was going to deliver them. They weren't able to read the rest of this chapter. They didn't know that. They didn't know that God would deliver them. And they also knew that in the Exodus it said, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above and so forth. They had a command that God said, Don't, you cannot bow down or worship any other image. So they said, You know what? It doesn't matter. We know what God says. We can't change our rules. We got rules to live by. We can't change them. And they said, you know, they're pretty bold. Our God, he's absolutely able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I just like that. I just love that. These guys are bold. They're teenagers. 
They're teenagers in Babylon, and they're telling, they're telling the most powerful king on the face of the earth at that time, a world ruler, king, we're not afraid of you. And we won't bow down to that image even if we die. We will not serve other gods, even if it costs us everything. We will not worship that image that's standing there. And we've got to take a stand, young people. You're going to be faced, you've already been faced with a thousand decisions already. Where the world says, come and be like us. Come and be like us. Come and do this. Come and do that. Be like us. You've got to learn to say, no, I have a certain pattern and plan for my life. I'm going to live it a certain way. And I have to do that. I won't bow down. The Nebuchadnezzar, he's full of fury, and his expression on his face actually changed. And he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was heated, and commanded certain mighty men of valor who were with him to bind them up. And then these men were bound into their coats and their trousers and their turbans and other garments and wrapped ropes around them and cast them in the midst of the burning furnace. And it was so hot that the men that actually tried to throw them in, the the flames come out and it actually kills the ones that are trying to throw them in. Nebuchadnezzar, somehow it gets close to it. And then it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, he's looking down at their bodies, he says, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? I I like that too. looks down there, you know, Weren't there three people here? I just saw it. We tied them up. Didn't we throw three people in there? And now we had three or four people that were pushing them in, and they got burned up. They're gone. But didn't we throw three men in there? And they said, yeah, we did. He said, well, I don't understand. I see four men, and they're loose. And they're walking around literally in the midst of the fire. And they're not hurt, but there's a fourth one there. And he could only use the words that he knew. It says right here, And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I like that. Young people, when you take a stand, something happens. It's invisible sometimes. When you take a stand and you're faced with making bad decisions... And you know what the right decision is. When you take a stand for the Lord, something happens. There's another figure right there beside you. There's a presence of the God, of God beside you. And other people will see it. Other people will sense it. That there's something different about you. Just like these people, these young men here in all of Babylon, there was something different about them. And Nebuchadnezzar looks down there. He never, never became a Christian as we would call a, a Christian. But he recognized there was someone with him. There was a son of God that was with them. And then, and then Nebuchadnezzar makes a proclamation and brings them out and makes a proclamation that makes a decree that everybody should serve the same God that they serve. So, He became one of the few people in the Old Testament that actually proclaimed the gospel. But the Bible tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. They presented their bodies as a sacrifice, 
Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your body. Don't be conformed to this world. Daniel, the sixth chapter. We know the story too. Time goes on. Daniel is now under Darius, the king of Persia. And he has a lot of people out to get him here. And it says, then Daniel uh, distinguished himself above all the governors and salt traps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the salt traps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any uh, error or fault found in him. So I, I like that. I, I wish that would happen to all of us. What happened here, these guys that are his enemies are saying, you know, we can't find anything against Daniel. The only way we can trick him is if it has something to do with his God. It's the only way we can trick him. So they, they talked to Darius, who was another narcissist, and they said, we'd like to make this rule here. For 30 days, people can only worship you. They can't worship or pray to any other god, only you, for 30 days. Darius decides that, hey, that's a, that's a great thing. And even though he loved Daniel, so they did. And then it says in verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed, that no one could, that you can't pray to any god except for to Darius, when he knew that this was signed, it says he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, Three times a day, he had a habit of praying three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He didn't change a thing. It's the same story. He knew that he could be destroyed, but he had a practice, a life practice in place, where three times a day he opened up the window and he'd face towards Jerusalem for his prayers, and he would pray, and the king's decree made no difference. Prayed three times a day. You know the rest of the story how he's thrown into the lion's den and the lions didn't eat him. There's no problem there. And the next day Darius calls him out and says, But the king spoke saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And the next day the king called out to him and cried out to him. And Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, King, I've done no wrong before you. I just love those verses. These are young men that, that took a stand, and they were consistent. You know, Daniel started strong, he lived strong, and he finished strong. A lot of times we know people that start strong, and then they live weak, and they finish weak. We don't want that, do we? The Bible talks about that seed that was planted and some of it was went into the soil and sprung up quickly, but sprung up with joy. But as soon as trials came and tribulation, it, the thorns and thistles grew and it choked it out. If the enemy can't have you, the next thing you'll want to do is to choke you out. We want you to start strong. We want you to live strong. We want you to finish strong. It's a race. It's a race. We've talked a lot about the Apostle Paul. Things in his life didn't always go the way that he thought that they would, but the, but the Lord had his hand on the Apostle Paul in a tremendous way. And uh, he did great things for the Lord, but he had a lot of trials and a lot of difficulties. He would, uh, he traveled by ship and he would be, he would be shipwrecked. Uh, uh, he would warm up his hands. A snake would jump out of the fire and bite his hands. I mean, there was, it had so many things that happened to him. Good things happened to him and bad things happened to him as well. 
The Apostle Paul, and you've heard this before too, when he looked back over his life, he could have had a lot, he could have done a lot of complaining. He could have told the Lord, when he wrote 2 Timothy, he could have told the Lord, you know, Lord, I, I worked hard for you all my life, and I did this and I did that, but now I'm at the end of my life, and Jerusalem is about to be besieged under Titus, and all of these horrible things are happening. Christians are being burned at the stake right now. They're being taken to the Colosseum and being fed to the lions. And, and not only that, all my friends have deserted me now. All my buddies, all my friends are gone. Like, nothing's working the way I thought it was going to work. Paul didn't say that. And if you read the article in the Sheridan Star, it has a little history in that. He's in the Marmentine prison. The Marmentine prison in Rome is a place where you go and you're placed before you're executed. Peter was there and Paul was there. So Paul's in that prison after living that life when he could have complained. Instead, he didn't. Instead, he got parchment and ink pen and an ink pen. I don't know how he did it. And he began to write scriptures, and he wrote at least three of the books of the New Testament from that Marmotine prison before he was before he was killed himself, before he was beheaded. Paul talked about making use of your time, being diligent in season and out of season. And then, as he was getting prepared to die, he wrote First Timothy. When he wrote First Timothy, you'll find it's a very positive book. Then, in consecutively, he wrote the, uh, the book to Titus. It's a great book. And then he wrote 2 Timothy, Timothy. that's the order that he wrote them. When he wrote 2 Timothy, the flavor, the tone changes from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy. Why? Because he's about to be beheaded. His life is almost over. He was, all of his friends abandoned him. And that's when he wrote these famous words. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. It's okay. The time of my departure... It's at hand. Well, I read these words, I think, of someone at an airport, and they're getting ready to go someplace wonderful, and the, 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 the sign pops up, departure, 23 minutes. And you get kind of excited. I'm going somewhere. He wrote, he said, the time of my departure, it's at hand. And this is, then he wrote this. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I started strong. I lived strong. I finished strong. (laughs) Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all of those who love his appearing. He says, God's got a great reward for me, and he's got a great reward for you, if you love his appearing, if you're faithful. And that's our prayer for each one of us, that we learn to be faithful. We learn to be faithful. There's a lot of other scriptures here I'm not going to read tonight. Be faithful. Be faithful. Learn to walk with the Lord. The Bible says, if you're 8 or 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 or older tonight, I'm thinking of young children and older. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Being saved as a young person is one of the greatest experiences you can ever have. I was blessed. I became a Christian when I was young. There's a lot of trials I never had because I grew up in church. And I just... I just thank God for that. There's a lot of things I just didn't experience 
because my mom and dad took me to church every Sunday. It's a wonderful thing to, to accept the Lord when you're young. If you're young tonight, there's no age limit that you can commit your life to the Lord. You just accept him into your heart. And in a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. In fact, I'm going to ask uh, uh, someone to come up and, and uh, Brad, perhaps you could come up again and carry and someone on the organ. We're going to have an altar call and I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite little children. If you want to give your heart to the Lord tonight, all you got to do is walk up here and we're going to let your mom and dad come up with you. And you just accept the Lord. We're going to say a prayer for you. We're going to pray with you. It's as simple as that. The Lord may have a number of things tonight. If you feel that need to make that commitment to the Lord that you're never going to serve these images, never going to become a part of Babylon, you need a little extra help in not becoming part of Babylon, we're just going to pray with you. You come up. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray that God give you an extra measure of his strength, an extra measure of his power, that you can resist this golden image of bowing down to the image of the world and the, the things that the world is constantly wanting you to do and, and the voice, all the voices you hear out there, uh, that you can hear that true voice of the shepherd. We're going to pray for you. Some of you, perhaps you want to be filled with the Spirit. Perhaps you want to have that power from within, that mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you need that, the Holy Spirit is here tonight for that as well. The Lord is in the in the business of meeting needs tonight. Jesus said he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Right before that, he said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Everything I'm talking about tonight... It's so you can have an abundant life. If you can live your life according to the pattern, according to the plan that God has for your life, learn to do things right, God will bless you. He wants you to have a blessed life. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.